0: I have noticed that there are a lot of opinions around, a lot of opinions about who I should be and what I should be and what I should do, and particularly as a Christian, what I should think and do politically. How should I engage with the government? And I have seen Christian communities before where your orthodoxy as a Christian How good of a Christian you were was evaluated based on the way that you voted or the party that you aligned with. I have seen people post all kinds of things on Facebook or make comments at the ends of articles about things that Christians should and should not do. Things that Christians should and should not think in the way that they engage with or think about or talk about the government. And this morning we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about that not because I feel so very passionate about it or because I feel like I have all of the right answers, but because God in His Word talks about it. And so if you would turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, let me just read verses 13 to 17 for you. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. the emperor. Now, before we jump straight in to uh, this government and political stuff, I want to remind us where we've been, because I think very often people come to this passage, among others, out of context. And they just jump straight to, Oh look, you're supposed to be subject for, for the Lord's sake to every human institution. And they miss those verses that come right before. And so let me just remind you of the verses that came before this. Because what we have been talking about the last two weeks is our identity as Christians. That we are called as God's people to be His people. right? If you remember three weeks ago we were talking about how Jesus is either a building block or a stumbling block. That when you come to Jesus, either you plant your feet on Him and say, this is my foundation and I am going to build my life on Him. Or you come to Him and you reject Him and then stumble over Him. Those are, those are the options when you come to Jesus. And when then, therefore, you come to Jesus and He is your foundation stone, your building block rather than your stumbling block, then you are one of His people. And this is what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. It says that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. These verses are so good, I'm tempted to preach them again. Because they, they give us a foundation for who we are in Jesus. He has called us to be a chosen race, a, a, a royal priesthood and a holy nation all being defined as people who belong to Him. Not where we live, not our economic status, not our uh, socio-political status, not our skin color, nothing else but just Jesus And so these things describe us, because we once were not a people, but now we are God's people. Once we had not received mercy, now we have received mercy. And He has done this so that we may proclaim the excellencies of Him, who called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. That's why He called you to be a people, so that you might proclaim how great and marvelous He is. And therefore, in verse 11, He says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And so last week we talked about those two verses, about how... um, Our conduct, the way we conduct ourselves, is a battle. It's a battle for our souls and it's a battle for the souls of others because the way that we express ourselves both in our words and our actions as Christ's followers either leads us toward or away from God and it represents god positively or negatively in a way that either draws people away uh, draws people toward god or pushes them away from him and so our conduct is therefore incredibly important and i told you we're going to get into specifics later But I just wanted to, last week, lay the foundation that our conduct is super important. Not because our salvation is determined by our our conduct, as though somehow we would earn God's favor by our conduct, but because God has already made us one of His people, then our conduct should reflect that and draw us in even closer to Him. Well, now, this week, I I was uh, told one time... um, Preacher, you went from preaching to meddling today, and I, I, I'm, I'm afraid that we're going to get into meddling today, because as we're talking about identity, and as we're talking about um, how we relate to other people, it's, um, I think, not an accident that he begins with the government. How do you relate to the government in, in fact, um, very often, one of the things that people identify with most is their political affiliations. We, we could probably just split the church right down the middle, and say, "Okay, uh, we want—if you want to be on the right, you go to the right, and if you want to be on the left, you go to the left." And some of you are going, "Oh, I'm sitting on the wrong side." Because you passionately are on one side or the other side of the political aisle. And, and I, have, I have legitimately seen people that will question your salvation. Are you really a born again Christian if you're sitting on the other side of the political aisle? And so the question then comes up, how am I supposed to relate to the government? What should I do? ...with the government. And here's what he says. And remembering this context... ...that you're keeping your conduct among the Gentiles honorable... ...so that when they speak against you as evildoers... ...they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Now, the good deeds that we're going to talk about... ...immediately following that is how you engage in politics. So that the Gentiles will see... ...I'm going to insert instead of the way you do your good deeds... ...the way you interact with politics and glorify God on the day of visitation. No pressure, though. No pressure, though. This is what he says. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. We are to be subject to, be submissive toward the government. I live in America. It's hard for me to be submissive toward anyone. Because I'm free. That's like what defines me as an American. I'm free. What do you mean submit. We're going to see this word, if you're uncomfortable with the word submit or be subject to, um, you're going to be uncomfortable for the next few weeks. I'm not saying that so that you will stay home and sleep in next week. But I'm just saying that, that this word is important. The way that he talks about the way that we relate to human institutions is through submission. That we will be subject to them. And as soon as I say that, probably the first thing that's coming into your mind is, but there are exceptions to that. Which should reveal something about your rebellious heart. I I say that pointedly, because it reveals something about my Rebellious heart. You need to be subject to. You need to be submissive toward. And my first thought is, except for when I I don't have to be. I don't see an exception clause here. It doesn't say be subject to those really good human institutions. It doesn't say be subject to those ones that you feel like aligning yourselves with. It doesn't say be subject to it when it's convenient, when it works out for your own benefit, when you uh, would like to do that. It doesn't say any of those things. It just says be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. We are to be subject to the government. That's not fun. It's not easy. And I've seen a lot of people come to passages like this and go, well, but but Peter didn't really know about the government that we are in. Yeah, Peter's government was not a favorable government. It's not like, oh, well, God set up this this emperor and he's such a great Christian emperor that we should all submit to him. That's, That's not the context in which Peter's referring to Nero. Peter's just saying, look, for the Lord's sake, be subject to every human institution whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. He he says, look, this is, this is why they're there. Do they do it all the time? No. They're not always punishing those who do evil and praising those who do good. There, there are times when they're punishing those who do good and praising those who do evil. And yet, these are the institutions that we have in place. And for the Lord's sake... For the Lord's sake, be subject to them. There are times that I don't like doing things. But my wife will say, would you do this for me? Oh. Well, I didn't really feel like doing that. I was feeling like being done for the day. I was feeling like taking off my shoes and putting my feet up and relaxing, but I love my wife. And so when she asks, would you be willing to do this for me? Then I say, okay. Yep. Not because I want to do it. Not because I'm so excited about doing it, but because I love my wife, I'll do it. And so Peter says, be subject for the Lord's sake. To every human institution. Because you love the Lord. Because you love the Lord. For this is the will of God, verse 15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. This is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. I've talked about this before and about how my heart, my inclination to silence foolish people is not by doing good. When I see somebody who's being foolish, the way that I would like to silence them is to point out all of the ways in which they are being foolish. I just want to lay into them, lambast them, and let them know how foolish they are and that they should just be quiet because obviously they don't know what they're talking about. I think that this is not a tendency that's unique toward me. Because it's the the, the tendency that I see used most often in the comments section underneath the articles. You know, when you're scrolling online and you accidentally scroll too far, and so you've read the whole article... And then down below you start seeing the comments. And man, some of those people are so foolish. And I just want to like crack my knuckles and warm up my fingers and just go to town. And then I see somebody else already did that for me. And so I just like their comment. And that's not, that's not what God has called us to do. That's not God's desire that we would point out to people how wrong they are or how dumb they are or how ignorant or foolish that they are. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Last week in in, uh, verse 12, it said, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that even when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. That just in the way you conduct yourselves, that they would see that and go, oh, hard to argue with that. Hard to argue with the way that they sacrificially love each other. Hard to argue with the way that they are servants toward other people. Hard to argue with the way that they submit even when it's not in their favor. And when they don't benefit from it. I see a lot of arrogance in the church right now. We can argue whether or not it's the true church or just people masquerading as Christians who are fighting for their rights and and wanting things their way and pushing for their agendas and endorsing people that um, will further their cause and make them feel more happy or more comfortable or something. But this is the reputation of the church. I thought one of the most interesting ones was several years ago. There were a couple of candidates. And um, I had seen in previous election cycles that uh, we were supposed to vote for the Christian candidate. Whether or not we agreed with his politics, this was a Christian candidate and so you were supposed to vote for them. And then I saw two, one was a Christian and one was not a Christian. But we were supposed to vote for the one that was not a Christian because um, he was better for the church. And I was very perplexed by this because I thought that we were supposed to be voting for the Christian one. All the people that were my mentors and people that were around me were telling me we're supposed to vote for the Christian. Vote for the Christian. Vote for the Christian. Vote for the Christian. Oh, not this time. Ha uh No. The Christian is wrong this time. We need to vote for the other guy. And I I just want... Why are we... Why are we playing this game? Why are we having our identity this way? Why are we aligning ourselves so strongly? I think that there is, is uh, maybe nothing else that has been damaging to the reputation of the church as much as the alignment of the church with polit- political people. When instead what we're called to do is that by doing good we should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. The church, the Christians in the church, God's people should be doing good. We ought to be so loving, so caring, so meeting the needs of people that whatever is happening politically, people go, I'm sure glad that church is part of our community. I'm sure glad that God's people are here. Look at how loving they are. Look at the way that our community is changed because of the churches here. It's, it's one of the things, actually, that I love about being in Wilsonville. There's still the reputation, because churches in the United States right now have a reputation, but I have met with several of the other pastors in town and talked with them about the things that they are doing in this community. It's really wonderful. It's really wonderful the way that some of the other churches in this town are, are caring for this community. I don't know that everybody knows it or would see it. But Wilsonville is a different place than it would be because of the churches that are here. Because they love, because they care. I so want that to be the reputation of God's people. Rather than rather than the reputation that the church is out for their own good, for the building of the church, rather than for the doing good and the glory of God. It says in verse 16, live as people who are free. Live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. And as I was looking at this, I thought, isn't this interesting? Here it talks about how we are supposed to be um, subject to, submissive toward the government. And yet he tells us that we are supposed to live as people who are free. And of course the American part of me just really, oh yeah, live as people who are free. We are free. But somehow he weaves these two things together. Both freedom and submission. And as I was thinking about this and, and, and talking with some of the other pastors, what we, what we talked about and what came out in our discussion is that um, this means that we are free with respect to the government because we are sojourners and aliens here. We're exiles here. We are God's people. We're a chosen race. We're a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. Not of Americans, but of God's people. And so as we are living here, we are free with respect to the government. We live under a different government. We, we are a different people. We have a different identity as God's people than we do here. So with respect to the government, but we are free. But for the sake of God, whose people we are, as we live here as sojourners and exiles... We are to be submissive toward the government while we're here for the sake of God. So which means that we both get to be free and willingly, voluntarily submit. That's actually pretty awesome. Because you belong to somebody else, because you are servants of God, you are not required, forced, coerced by the government to submit, but as God's people are instructed to live in a submissive way nonetheless. Which means that just like when my wife asked me, would you be willing to do this? And I don't feel like it necessarily, but because I love her, I do it anyway. In the same way, even if you don't feel like submitting to the government, nevertheless, because of your love for God, you get to do it and offer your body, offer your life as a living sacrifice to to the glory of God in the way that you interact with the government. It's fantastic. You do it not because you have to, but because you get to as a servant of God to represent Him well in a foreign land. Live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Not, not covering up the, the evil going, oh, well, I'm free, I can do whatever I want. No, it's not a selfish, self-motivated freedom. It's a sacrificial, God-glorifying Freedom. And then he moves into this in verse 17 where he sort of summarizes the whole thing and he gives us this context for how we are to relate to people. How are we supposed to relate to people? Let's just like lay it out. And so he puts it this way. He says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Just bullet. Click, 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 click. You want to know how you should interact with other people? Well, first of all, honor everyone. Whether they deserve it or not. Whether you like them or not. Whether you agree with them or not. Give them honor. Treat them respectfully. Not just face to face, but behind their back. Talk about them respectfully. That doesn't mean you can never disagree, but you're going to talk about them respectfully. You're going to give them honor for the sake of God. You're going to honor everyone. You're going to love the brotherhood. You're going to to love uh, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Those who who, uh, live with you um, and believe with you. Who are also called as God's people. You're going to love them. I want for all of us to have our first love be Jesus and his church. So that we're not divided about all the the silly things. The lesser things. But that we love one another here. Then he says, and we fear God. We fear God. In verse 17 of chapter 1, you you might um, remember the same word of fear. He says that, uh, And if you call on Him who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. If you call on God as Father, and He's the one who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, then you should conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile here. Because we know that God, our Father, is an impartial judge, then all the things that we do, we should go. Okay. I want to follow Him properly. Now, now this is this is why I think He does this. He sets up this context. We are supposed to give honor to everyone. We don't have to love everyone. We don't have to. Um, We don't have to fear everyone. Let's put the love in the right place. We're loving the community of God's people. We're putting the fear in the right place. We are fearing God, but we are honoring and being respectful toward everyone. And then he finishes with this. Honor the emperor. Do you have to love the emperor? Nope. You don't have to have great affection for the emperor. Should you fear the emperor? Nope. That's not where your fear should be placed. You belong to someone else and you need not be afraid of the government. So don't, don't have your affection be too strong for the government. Don't have your fear be toward the government. And, and let me tell you, we are about to hit a, a strong election cycle. And you're going to be told that you need to love this or that, this policy, that candidate. You should love these things. You should be drawn to these things. We should be passionately endorsing these things. But that's not what we're told here. You will be told you should fear. Vote, because otherwise, who knows? These are the two ways that people are told that they're supposed to vote. You're supposed to do a passion, love vote. Ooh, yes, I really endorse this p- person. I really endorse this policy and these, these uh, things. And so I'm going to vote be- passionately because I'm really for it. Or you vote fear. I'm really afraid. Yeah, I know this candidate isn't a very good one, but have you seen that one? We should be totally afraid. Listen, as God's people in a foreign land, you need not be afraid. I don't care who they are. I don't care what they endorse or what their policies are. You, as God's people, need not be afraid of the government. You don't have to. You belong to God and God loves you. God loves you. One day, Jesus will return. And He's going to make all things right. And until that happens, all things will not be made right. Not even for four years. We aren't even going to get to 75%. Well, if I endorse this guy, then maybe we'll get to 75% all things right. Nope. It's never going to get there. This side of heaven before Jesus' return, we're never going to get there. And so we don't have to be afraid of it. Because someday, our King is going to return. The great Messiah, the Anointed One, That Son of David is going to return and He's going to make all things right. And in heaven and on earth, every tongue will confess that He is Lord and every knee will bow to Him. That is where our hope is. And because we belong to Him, because we are His servants, then we get to conduct ourselves in an honorable way among those who don't believe. We get to serve in love. We get to submit. We get to honor other people. And even in the way that we talk about and engage in politics, we will so glorify God that hopefully on the day when He returns, they also, they also will glorify Him. That is what we are hoping for as God's people. So I want to just encourage you that while the world is spinning about politics, that we are going to submit to the rules and regulations of the government. We're going to give honor where honor is due. We're going to treat everyone with respect. And we are not going to be afraid or overly affectionate toward The government, because we belong to Jesus. Let's pray.